The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, Bills fans. Welcome to this recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we are going to discuss the Bills victory today over the New York, I was going to say New Jersey, over the New York Jets, 18 to 10 in New Jersey today. We'll go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our wall of famers and wall of shamers with some help from our amazing followers on Twitter. And also, we're going to do our weekly podcast giveaway. We're going to have two giveaways this week, so stay tuned for that. But first, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, uh, going into today's game, the Bills had lost two games in a row to conference teams in the Titans and the Chiefs in games that weren't really close whatsoever and showed a different Bills team that we really didn't see in the first four games when they went 4-0. But now they're 4-2 going into today. This was supposed to be like a quote-unquote get-right game for the Bills, right? So um, it kind of it kind of was. It kind of was. The defense was getting gashed in the first half by Frank Gore. He was at about six yards per carry in the first half going into the second half, but the defense tightened up. They forced some turnovers and ended the day with six sacks and two interceptions. Josh Allen started to put things together in the second half and ended up having a really decent game, uh, markedly better, though, than the last couple of games. And um, it just it wasn't the most ideal game, but it's still a W, still a win. The Bills are five and two. They're one and a half games ahead uh, in the AFC East from the Dolphins, and they also have that tiebreaker, obviously. But this win did not give me any confidence, in my opinion. It just didn't make me feel like. I mean, the Jets are an zero six team. They have the thirty second ranked offense in the league. Um, I really wanted the Bills to bounce back from two tough losses and really hand it to the Jets and really just you know 
just stomp on them and just just curb stomp them and just take them out. And they didn't. And uh, I just want to know what your what your guys thoughts are, are on that too. Did did you see it the same way that that I did? Yeah, to an extent. But I mean, a win's a win, right? Like the Bills have a firm grip on the division. They swept the Jets. They've beaten the Dolphins. They got the Pats coming up next week. Um, you know, the defense made some great adjustments for the second half. Uh, sure, the the offense didn't quite get clicking. I think mostly because of penalties. I think that killed a lot of drives. But other than that, like, you know, I'm going to take the win and I'm going to go to New England next week and let's keep rolling. Yeah, Nate, I agree with John. You can't overestimate beating a divisional opponent, sweeping a divisional opponent. The Bills only allowing 10 points. It looked like the defense was finally starting to get right with the record now 5-2. and two. I would say maybe just as good as the Pats falling to 2-4. and four. Great day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, don't want to downplay the win in any of this. I mean, it, it was. Seems, it seems like you're downplaying it. I, like, I, I'm gonna almost d- like a naysayer. <laughs> I mean, it might as well have been a loss if I'm if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> no. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was a win, and uh, the Jets are terrible. And I was really hoping that the Bills. Would get, but at the same time, I feel like we know this team better. Like we talked about, we always talk about the odds for next week's game at the beginning, you know, at the end of this podcast, right? At the end of this episode. And that's when you really get a feel for what Vegas thinks is going to happen. And then as it, the line changes throughout the week, then you get an idea of who people are betting on. And everyone was, so it started off at 12 and a half points. People were hammering the under which I would have done too if I the Bills don't blow out teams. They just don't. So maybe I guess what I'm expecting is too much from this team to really just like beat this team that had lost by 24 points the the week before to the Dolphins and had lost by 20 points to the Cardinals the week before that. I was kind of hoping for, you know, a 20 point victory to show that we're we're a team that that that's actually not as bad as the last two losses showed. Um yeah, but but the week before that, they scored 28 on the Broncos, and the Broncos beat the Pats. It's like any given week, any given Sunday, you don't know what to expect. Like, it's a professional team, right, all comprised of the best college football players and the best NFL, the best football players in the world. So, And, and nobody wants to get embarrassed, and everybody, if they, even if they know they can't make the playoffs this year, they're playing for their jobs, right? Oh, yes, they're, they're usually trying. I, I'd actually argue that, the Jets are actually trying to give up on Adam Gase to get him fired. So maybe they're not, but they, they definitely didn't seem like that today. They, they wanted to win today. And I mean, if you look at the stats, the bills really did for the most part, dominate this game in everything, but the points column. Um, and, and, and I'll argue to against myself to your guys's point that one of those possessions goes from a field goal to a touchdown. And all of a sudden you're talking the bills being, you know, instead of it being 18 to 10, you're talking, you know, 22 to 10. Do I feel better at that? Probably. So, you know, and then, you know, if Tyler Bass doesn't miss a couple of field goals, which we got to talk about Tyler Bass, by the way, after that first field goal, he was getting lit up on social media. He missed that first field goal. What was it? A 45 yarder. And everyone's like, what are we doing? Can we re-sign Hauschka? What the heck? (laughs) Mind you, Hauschka was just, you know, uh, released last week for missing a field goal. But people are like, I don't care. I still want Hauschka back on the team. And then he ends up going six for eight. He makes a 53-yarder. He makes a 48-yarder, a 46-yarder, a 37-yarder. He misses 
another 37 yarder, but then he makes a 26 yarder and 40. I mean, the guy was the guy was our only offense today. The Bills could not punch it into the end zone. Josh Allen fumbled once in the red zone. Um, the Bills just couldn't finish. So if you look at it from that perspective, is that was a fluke game offensively, and normally they I mean historically they do a lot better in the red zone. So I guess normally they would score more points without relying on their rookie kicker, then I'm okay with it. But it just I wanted more work. <laughs> I when you say argue against yourself, I'm I'm impressed in the sense of I I think it was F F Scott Fitzgerald that said the test of first rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas at, in mind at the same time and still function, right? So like you're So you're just saying, end, you're it, arguing, right you're end it right there. End it right there. End it right there. But, no, 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 but no, no, that's all. Maybe it's just you're coming around and agreeing with John and I because at the end of the day, a win is a win. Oh, John? I agree. It's impressive that you're still functioning, Nate. <laughs> no, I like the first part of Mike's thing where he says a sign of true intelligence is to be able to argue both points. And then you should have ended it right there. Then that's that's uh, where the quote ends and that's where the discussion ends. Now let's talk about Josh Allen. <laughs> I I... I guess I see both points, but as a feeling, as the way that I felt it, as the way that emotionally it went through, obviously glad I got a win. I'm okay with it. Does that make me think that next week when we play the Patriots, can we play this sort of game and win? I don't know. The Patriots got demolished today in New England by the 49ers, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That game today wouldn't have won against the Titans. It wouldn't have won against the Chiefs. So fortunately, they weren't playing either of those teams. You need to just enjoy it, man. You are a monkey on a rock circling a sun and you're going to be dead soon. You just got to smell the roses for three hours. Just have a little fun. Awesome that they won. And we'll see you back here Sunday for the next game. Well, well, first I'm like the the peak, the peak of intelligence. And now I'm a monkey. <laughs> what the? I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to use the monkey analogy where like one monkey tries to leave the cage and they all just try to grab him down and pull him down into the, uh, into back. Those are crabs. Oh, the crabs is that, that's right. You already use yeah. that, that psychology. Jeez, that'd be brutal with monkeys, <laughs> but I guess it's the same. same yeah. Idea. Obviously you want to blow out every team that you play, but. By a hundred, by a hundred points, right? But, obviously, but right? don't you, but, but don't you want to blow out the bad teams? I mean, the really bad teams. I mean, this is the only undefeated team in the NFL. Don't you want to have a convincing, a convincing win against them? Like one where they're like, okay, 34 to nothing. Okay. Well, you know, whatever. I mean, cause the confidence amongst Bills fans. Now I'm speaking for a lot of Bills fans here for once where like the Buffalo Rumblings has this confidence poll and the Bills were in like the upper nineties for like weeks one through five. And then the Titans, the Titans game happened and then the confidence went down the eighties. And then after last week's game against the chiefs, the the confidence rating for the rumblings website went down to like 70%. So it's the lowest it's been in a long time. Well, yeah, they, that was the defending Super Bowl champions, right? I mean, did you ever for a second doubt that the bills would win this game at any point in time? Yes. Yes, I I did did not. I had no doubt during the game, no no matter what the score was, they're they're always in it. They're always gonna like. I always felt very confident that they were gonna win that game. When the Bills were down ten to three, That's I didn't think that, I didn't think that they were gonna win that game necessarily. The offense couldn't get going. The offense was stalling. The Bills were missing field goals. The defense couldn't stop Frank Gore. 
who ended the You're game. You're lying to yourself, man. If we if we told you you needed to bet a meaningful sum of money when it's 10-3, you're like all in on the Jets. No, I'm not all in on the Jets, but I didn't feel confident in the Bills winning. I wasn't like, you know what, guys? And I felt that way about the Bills. The Bills have been down earlier this season. I've been like, okay, well, the Bills can come back in the second half, maybe against the Raiders or the Rams or whatever. Like, I think that the Bills could. But this this week, I was just like, I don't know if they can come back from it. Their offense has been pretty crappy the last couple of weeks. This might be the third week in a row. Maybe we continue that trend. I don't know. But I wasn't. The, I didn't think the that. First, the first and goal at the eight where we had to kick a field goal, right? What brought it that back? A holding penalty. Then the, the touchdown that came off the board, that was an illegal formation. All of these fluky, one-off type things. Like the Bills were just marching down the field at will. So like just not punching it in at that final play was what was missing this week. But it was just, but I mean, football is a game of flukes. It's, it's a, what's the saying? It's a, it's an oblong ball and it bounces any way it wants to. And that I butchered that quote. <laughs> it, 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 that's, that's football. You get enough of those. Like, flukes. Mike, have to... just, Mike just said earlier, any given Sunday, man, like it doesn't matter. Like you could be playing the chiefs or the jets. Well, like look at last week. Last week is a good example. Take every win you can get a win is a win. Yeah, I am taking it. I am enjoying it. To a point. Except that's what she said. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you can't deny the fact that, like, the Bills were within one touchdown. Uh, the, the Jets were within one drive of tying the game up at the end of the game with what the Bills have done. And had it not been for, yeah, a lot of fluke things going against the Bills. Yeah, a lot of fluke things got the Bills blown out against the Titans. A lot of turnovers, a lot of, you know, uh, terrible field position. Got the, I mean, look at, in the other point, like we talked about this last week, the Bills were one possession away from, you know, getting, or one fumble recovery away from getting the ball back, being down by six on the Chiefs' 30-yard line because, uh, I forget, was it Clyde Edwards Slayer, Darrell Williams, not Darrell Williams, but whoever it was, the running back of the Chiefs fumbled the ball. And if the Bills recover that, now you're talking within, and, and if you're a Chiefs fan and the Bills end up winning that game, you're like, what a fluke. Like we've been destroying the Bills all game long and then they end up winning it at the end. So I think this is the opposite. I think that the Bills were very close to giving it away, and but they didn't, which is good. Week seven when def- when defensive Nate rears his ugly head. <laughs> I'm not defensive, am I? Uh, the Bills had all the momentum in the second half, which is rare because usually they're terrible in the third quarter, but they won yes. the third quarter today. The halftime adjustments. Yeah, wow. They actually did do some. I will give them credit for that. For sure. They made ha- halftime adjustments on both sides, on the offense and the defense. I just wish they started out that way. And, you know, they held it throughout the entire game. I wanted a convincing win. But... um yeah, I mean, I'll take it, but not. You know what? I'm pretty convinced because right here on the on the app, it says they won. So to me, that's pretty convincing. <laughs> John, Mike, do you have any F. Scott Fitzgerald quotes about John? John being funny right now? Anything? <laughs> I can't believe I said some oblong ball bounces some ways. And like, that must have been, I like, that was probably Vince Lombardi's quote. And I just like butchered the greatest coaching mind in NFL history. But yeah. Well, let's talk about Josh Allen. What'd you guys think of Josh Allen? Because, um, you know, the first half of the game, it was pretty rough. I mean, he wasn't making the right decisions. The second half, he was just taking what the defense was giving him. And he was just marching, marching, you know, down the field. And it wasn't just using Stefan Diggs. He was using Cole Beasley. He was using Tyler Croft, Tyler Croft, the only healthy 
tight end on the Bills roster today since Dawson Knox was uh, tested positive for COVID and the rest of the tight end room was uh, is on the COVID uh, reserve list right now. Um, it was it was good to see him take advantage of the Jets defense. And overall, I think he started off pretty rocky, but I think he ended the game, you know, pr- pretty well in the end. What did you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he did force a few balls here and there, and uh, I think he had a fumble at one point that they I don't I can't remember who recovered. But he had a, uh, he had a fumble in the second quarter against uh, while the Bills were in the red zone, and it he gave the ball back to the Jets. And yeah, uh, that's yeah. Yep, and the Jets scored a touchdown in the ensuing drive. So costly fumble. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, much like in the first week, right? He had two fumbles uh, lost against the Jets. Um, yep. but you know, he still had, you know, his completion percentage, it came back up from the last couple of games. He was like 69, 70% today. Um, obviously no touchdowns, but no picks either. Um, you know, I thought he, he, like you said, he, you know, he took what the defense gave him, um, a couple of mistakes, but not nothing bad enough. And, you know, you know, they went other way. They, they won the game. Yeah. There were a couple of, of passes that could have easily gone for interceptions against, um, Alan, you know, it's so funny. I think this is more of, he needed a bounce back game. And I think this was, this was right around what he needed, um, to kind of show that he's still, and this isn't an MVP caliber game by any means, but I think he showed a lot. You know, it's funny. We had, uh, we had a listener, uh, write into us and kind of say, you know, I think you guys were being a little too harsh on Josh Allen. And, uh, especially in regards to last week, I think we are pretty positive and optimistic on Josh Allen in general. And I think this is a game where it's like, you know, I'm hoping this is more of his floor uh, than his, than, you know, the, the first four games were his ceiling. I mean, he played, he played unbelievable in those first four games. Um, I think this is just, he's, he's coming back. Maybe defenses are starting to figure him out in, in the Titans and the Chiefs. And this is how he is going to, you know, play from now on. He's starting to figure things out and he's on his way. Um, there was that, speaking of that fumble, in the red zone, like a play before that, do you guys remember there was that um, passing play where uh, Allen couldn't find anyone open? Some guy ran into him free, and he stiff-armed like a defensive lineman right in his face, and then another linebacker came at him. He stiff-armed him to the ground, and he ended up throwing the ball away. But I'm like, wow. Like, I have never seen a quarterback stiff-arm a defensive lineman in my entire life that's coming right at him. Like, there is... There's just something special about Josh Allen that if he can put it all together consistently, like he started to in the second half of today, I mean, like you're talking about mobility up the wazoo. You're talking, I just, yes, I just said wazoo. You're talking mobility up, you know, incredible mobility, incredible ability to run the ball and, you know, being able to stiff arm and everything like that. And then a a strong arm, gaining accuracy, poison the pocket. I mean, there's nothing he can't do in the pocket. You talk about moving around in the pocket, sliding up, sliding you know, this way, that way, moving up, and then also being able to stiff arm guys <laughs> this way. I mean, I don't know. You got to be excited as a Bills fan to see that. It wasn't a perfect day, obviously. We'll go over the stats soon, but uh, but I was pretty happy about that. Let's let's. Uh, what you what you guys think about Tyler Bass? I mean, his his season has been pretty rough. I believe he's in the sixty something percentage of making field goals this season. He's missed some close ones and missed some missed some far ones. But I mean, after the first field goal. I think that, you know, he really regained some confidence, which is tough to do as a kicker. Usually when kickers are on like a, like they get the yips, they're usually just plummeting 
the rest of the game or the rest of the season in some respects. And it's and it seemed like he just kind of put a chip on his shoulder and said, you know, screw you, I'm going to make every single field goal after that. And he did for the most part after that first one, went six for eight on today, and he made some long field goals today, which was uh which was something that he hadn't done. He set career highs, you know, today you know, a couple of times. And uh I, I was Overall, I was impressed with uh, with the rookie kicker's uh, day today. Yeah, no doubt. After he missed that forty five yarder, obviously everybody was worried. And on the second attempt, it was fourth and seven. And uh, you know, I I I was texting you guys they should go for it here, and they they went and kicked the field goal. And he made fifty three yards. I'm like, oh well, all right, we can do that too. Um, well, he did just miss a 45-yarder, so why would you think that he would be able to hit a 53-yarder after that, right? Right, and, you know, and it was like in the ter- – you know, like, I, I actually, I thought they were going to punt it. Like, I, thought, <laughs> I was like, go for it so you don't punt and give, you know, and, like, do a 20, you know, 20-yard field position change type of thing. And, you know, it's like, oh, they're actually going to kick it a field goal this time, and, and he made it. So, like – that I mean, that shows their confidence in him, and that gave him a big confidence boost. I think making that field goal, and you know, and continuing that, I think that that helped him a lot. For me, he's not wall of fame or wall of shame, right? Like eighteen points is awesome, single handedly outscoring the Jets, but a seventy five percent make percentage, um, a t- two misses on the day, like hopefully he continues to improve. Yeah, the Bills did not punt today. Interesting stat. Um, so they didn't have to worry about doing that. Thank God. Thank God they didn't punt from like the the, the forty three or whatever it was. That's <laughs> the thirty seven or whatever it ended up being to make a fifty three yard field goal. Anyway, um, let's go into our stats of the game. Stats of the game. done studies you know 60 percent of the time it works every time that doesn't make sense so you're telling me there's a chance all people can come up with statistics to prove anything can't 40 percent of all people know that so the buffalo bills today josh allen passing the ball 30 for 43 for 307 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, ended up having a 70% completion percentage, and he really really made a lot of that in the second half. I believe he was closer to 50% after the first half, really put it together in the second half. Josh Allen, the leading rusher, leading passer and rusher for the Bills, 11 carries for 61 yards. Um, I thought Josh Allen did a great job with his legs. I mean, we didn't even talk about that, and there were so many plays where he was able to run and get the first down from seeing um, just seeing coverage where he had the middle of the field open. So he stepped in the pocket and, you know, made a 10 yard gain. Zach Moss was the second leading rusher for the day. He was, he had seven carries for 47 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. Devin Singletary had eight, eight carries for 29 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. So almost half the yards per carry that Zach Moss was getting. So that was interesting. Um, to see that they they kind of rode Zach Moss in the second half, it felt like, too. Cole Beasley, the leading receiver for the Buffalo Bills, 11 receptions on 12 targets for 112 yards. So I hope that you are starting him in PPR in fantasy today. 
Tyler Croft, the second leading receiver, four receptions on four targets for 64 yards. Tyler Croft, the only healthy tight end for the Buffalo Bills and a new father. So congratulations to Tyler and his wife, Lexi. Stephon Diggs, six receptions on 11 targets for 48 yards. And then Zach Moss um, adding into the to the uh, receiving game, three receptions on three targets for 25 yards. Devin Singletary, two receptions on five targets for 18 yards, and so on and so forth. Jerry Hughes had two sacks today on the defense. Dane Jackson had one interception today and two passes defended. And A.J. Klein had a half sack. Jordan Poyer had a sack. Tredavious White had a half sack. Trent Murphy and Dean Marlowe each had a half sack. And then Matt Milano and A.J. Epinesa had a half sack. Mind you, I mean, half of these sacks are from people that aren't defensive linemen. So just... Just something to note, not a worry, but good to see good to see six sacks on the day. Would have liked to see a lot more from the defensive line itself from rushing four, but um, I'm not going to be completely critical of the Bills defense. Two interceptions on the day, Dane Jackson and Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes having that amazing interception to end the game today. Let's go to the Jets side of the ball. Sam Darnold, 12 for 23 for 120 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. So pretty terrible stat line for Sam Darnold. Frank Gore had 11 carries for 60 yards, five and a half yards per carry. And uh, I don't know why they didn't give Frank Gore the ball more in the second half. Um, that was kind of a weird, weird change of uh, game plan. I know LaMichael Pirine got a lot of carries in the second half. He had 11 carries for 39 yards and one touchdown. He was only three and a half yards per carry. So so uh, two, exactly two yards per carry less than Frank Gore. Yeah, remember that that fourth and short for the Jets that they went for? They they ran it with Perrine instead of Gore. What was that all about? It didn't make any sense. I don't know why. The, Frank Gore is your battering ram running back, right? So why wouldn't you use him? Exactly. Great point. The Jets' leading receiver was Denzel Mims, rookie Denzel Mims. Four receptions on seven targets for 42 yards. Um and then Braxton Berrios, whoever that is, four receptions on seven targets for 35 yards. And Brashad Perriman, two receptions on two targets for 27 yards. Guys, that that hit that Micah Hyde put on Brashad Perriman uh, in the fourth quarter where he just completely leveled him. Brashad Perriman was going to get the first down. It was a good pass by Sam Darnold. As soon as he got it, Micah Hyde comes in with his shoulder, I believe at least, with his shoulder, put a huge hit on Perriman onto his shoulder, neck, head area. Um, I thought it was a clean hit. Obviously, he got the penalty flag because of how quick or how bad it looks quickly. What did you guys think of that penalty? Did you think that was warranted? So, unfortunately, I missed the replay on that particular play, but watching it live, it looked like it was a legit hit. What do you guys think? I do not trust myself to remove my bias. I think if it went against us, we'd be complaining the other way. I don't trust your bias either against. <laughs> I I think I it looked like a clean hit to me. Um, it always looks like a clean hit to you when it goes <laughs> against the Bills. It does. It does. Always. Absolutely. Even that illegal formation penalty that we got called against us, which they never explained because CBS has explained was Greg Gumbel saying, uh, I guess uh, I don't really know what they called that for. And then they cut to commercial or whatever it was, or they don't show a rinse and replay. Like, how do you not show an instant replay? And how do you not have a, an announcer explain why that was a penalty? I don't, uh... the receiver did not lower his head though. No, 
people were saying it was a defenseless receiver. It's like any receiver that catches no, the saying, ball. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like had Hyde come in at that angle and then the receiver like dropped down to take the hit. Then I think, oh, it's on him. But he just stayed up. He stayed up. And and Hyde hit him high. Yeah, which Hyde was Hyde was at fault. <laughs> is that illegal? Can you not do that? I thought the thing was like, oh, because you had to be, you have to be below. Uh, I should probably look this up, but I thought you thought as long as you didn't hit him with your helmet into his helmet, I thought that that was legal. It's a defenseless receiver. I mean, any receiver that goes across the middle is defenseless. So that's why some people were saying, oh, that's why they threw the flag. I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, he didn't he didn't tackle him around the waist like he should have, but. At the same time, if he didn't go after the head and he wasn't using his head as a spear or whatever, he didn't leave his feet, at least it didn't appear so, I think that that's all legal. I think that's that's just a good hit. So, let's interesting stat. I'm going to do a quiz for you guys today. Another stats quiz for you. The Bills had almost 10 minutes more of possession than the Jets did. Uh, the Bills had almost 10 more first downs than the Jets did today. How many more total yards do you think the Bills had over the Jets today? How many more total offensive yards do you think the Bills had more than the Jets today? I'm going to need a new question. I have this one in front of me by oh. accident. Sorry. I have that the Bills how, outgained the Jets 40, 422 to 190. How many less yards did the Jets <laughs> have than the Bills? <laughs> but but I, I mean, that brings up a good point. Like what we were talking about earlier, if you told told us before the game like hey the bills are going to outgain the jets 422 to 190 they're never gonna punt like what would you think right you'd think oh my gosh it was 40 to 3 it was a blowout it was a complete game it was it's just it's it's funny and then you tell me it's 18 to 10 i'm like uh, what what went yeah. wrong <laughs> <laughs> how the hell did that happen i feel like it's back to the future it'd be like marty <laughs> And like Mike, what happened? Is it, the, is it the Bills? What it's they not t- you. <laughs> no, it's not you, Marty. It's your kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay, I don't have another one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it because it goes into our Wall of Famers and Wall of Famers. So right now, um, let's take a quick commercial break. After that, we'll go into our plays of the game and our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers and podcast giveaways. So stick around. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to this Circling the Wagons podcast, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap show. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm with my co-hosts, John and Mike. Um, let's talk about our sweet, sassy, molassy plays of the game. Sweet, sassy, molassy. Get out the checkbook and pay grandma for the rubdown. Our sweet, sassy, molassy plays of the game are brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Now, these are plays that we do each week. They are our favorite plays of the week. So, uh, John, I'm going to start with you. What is your Sweet Sassy Molassie play of the game? They say my Sweet Sassy Molassie play of the game is the Dane Jackson interception. 
at the end of the first half that led to a Bills field goal uh, with only 40 seconds left on the clock uh, for that drive. Uh, I think that was a great play. He, you know, he read Sam Darnold like a book. Not bad for not one of our starting corners, right? Yeah, the Bills are down. The Bills are missing Josh Norman and Levi Wallace this week. And it was just, I mean, Dane Jackson for being a seventh-round rookie. Like, are you kidding me? I thought he had an amazing game today. And I thought that that was definitely a good, uh, a great play before the end of the half. The Bills being aggressive and going for the for the points. And they ended up actually getting it this week. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, Mike, what about you? What's your sweet, sassy, molassy play of the game? For me, Nate, it's Jerry Hughes. He had the huge sequence in the final drive. He had the holding call to back the Jets up. Then he sacked Darnold. And right before he got the the game, I would say the game-ending interception. It's just he's the heart and soul of the defense. It was great to see him have that series in that final play. Yeah, absolutely. That's my sweet, sassy, molassy play of the game, too, is that Jerry Hughes, uh, he gets the interception after the ball was batted in the air by Quinn Jefferson to seal the game. And Jerry Hughes, just one of those like those guys that, you know, he doesn't show up all the time if you're watching the game in real time and then you read about all these you know all these beat writers that talk about how good Jerry Hughes actually is so it's good to for him to actually have a game where he shows how good he is and i think that you're right heart and soul of that defensive line and uh, it was good to see good to see him actually get some credit for that and and win the game for the buffalo bills on that last play um all right let's go into our wall of famers and wall of shamers brought to you by the DraftKings sportsbook at Delago uh, Wall of Fame. Wall. John, who is in your Wall of Fame in today's victory? It's Tyler Bass, man. He scored all our points. Um, you know, he's the uh, one of eight players all time to even attempt eight field goals in a game. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the 18 points from Tyler Bass. Obviously, Josh Allen, you know, is, is in the running. We're 300 yards passing and leading rusher over 60 yards. Um, but, you know, I, I, I got to go with Bass on this one. So interesting stat. With six field goals today, Bill's rookie kicker Tyler Bass tied a franchise record for most field goals in a game previously set by Steve Christie, also at the New York Jets on October 20th, 1996, in a 25-22 win. By the way, speaking of Jerry Hughes, um, he had, I'm looking at it over some other stats I forgot to mention earlier, <laughs> he had his 10th career two-plus sack game today, including the playoffs. Jerry Hughes is tied Kyle Williams for fifth most sacks in Bill's history with 48 and a half. So John goes with Tyler Bass for his Wall of Famer. Mike, who do you have on your Wall of Fame? Normally, John and I are on the same page, I think. This time, I can't agree with the kicker's only out there on a couple plays and having missed two field goals. And John, you talk about attempting something. Could could we not send you out there to attempt a field goal? Right? Like what what badge of honor is attempting something? Could you in imagine, this in this context? Could you imagine if they did send out John? All right. He's 0 for six so far today. I guess they're sending him out for a seventh. At, at that point in the game, they would just they would just go for it on fourth down or punt it. Attempting will, a field goal is not award worthy. Okay, making six is still award worthy for seventy five percent. Well, I'm not saying per <laughs> attempts per completion on this one, but 
Um, there, there, there have only been certain number of field goal kickers who have made six or seven field goals, and only one who have made eight in a game. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let, I got, I got something to say about this. Since you guys were saying, "Oh, it's only a W that matters. It doesn't matter how you get there." Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tyler Bass made all the field goals that mattered to win today. He could have actually made two less field goals, and they still would have won. So I, I take a little exception to you saying anything negative about Tyler Bass's day today when he did enough to win, and that's all that matters. I think the context matters, though, in anything. Here we're talking about a specific player and whether he merits being labeled as the player of the game. When we start off, we're just like, hey, what's your your perceptions of the game? How'd you feel? How'd you like it? He scored every single point for the team. John, that was our chance to yeah. gang up on me. No, I, I'm totally. going to agree with John on this one. I think that that's a very legitimate wall of famer and i think that you know like i said he could have gone four for eight the bills should have so would have won and and he didn't so if he he did go four for eight he would have been your wall of famer still would have scored all the points no he went above and beyond that four for eight that's why he's a wall of famer no above and beyond is eight for eight (laughs) he's not perfect the bills weren't perfect today in general they still get the w so mike i'm guessing that that tyler bass is not on your wall of fame (laughs) or he makes one more field goal I could see putting him up there. Seven for eight. But so I think you do as a kicker, you'd want a perfect day. Uh, for me, it's Cole Beasley. He's just with with Brown out, right? I think the offense looks to Beasley, especially on third down. When they need something to happen, he caught 11 of 12 targets, which outstanding. Had 112 receiving yards. Uh, he's my player of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I, that, I, I have a thing. So Cole Beasley always seems to be around on those third downs, and he always seems to be the one catching it for a first down. I have a new nickname for Cole Beasley. I, I threw it out on Twitter. It, it got kind of lukewarm response, but I wanted to talk about it here on the podcast since we love coming up with different nicknames or whatever. Um, what do you think about this? Okay. <clears throat> third and Cole. Like it? Third and Cole? Because that's when he gets the first. If I have to explain it, I, that's that's not a good. It's Okay. Third and Cole. Shouldn't it be third and Josh? Like how like how many times has Cole caught it compared to other receivers this season? Well, Josh isn't catching any of them, so I don't think that that logic makes sense. Well, what I'm but, saying is is Cole like catching a third of them or all of them? It doesn't matter. He just seems like it just seems like he's catching a lot of them, okay? And third and Cole sounds like third and goal. Get it? Third. Yeah, I get that part. And Cole. Yeah, I get that part too. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you're talking third and Josh. That doesn't rhyme with anything. <laughs> okay. All right. And te- I think the, the the third and Cole sounds too much like third and goal, which is like, it's, it's very, very specific. You don't really want to be third and goal, do you? <laughs> you want to be touchdown. You don't... Okay. It was okay. Just... You can get him next time. I still stand by that. I'm still impressed by myself. And coming up with something that's somewhat witty. Um, I feel like, shouldn't these be vet? I didn't know you were putting this out into the universe with the pod's name attached to it. Like, I feel these should be vetted. <laughs> well, by John or I, at a bare minimum. Why do you, are you worried that your name might be attached to that amazing nickname for Cole Beasley? Well, I did vet it with John beforehand, but you weren't there. So I thought that John didn't have John. John gave a pro John turned to his sub key. <laughs> I kind of said it was eh. just in like a 
you know, I want, I don't want to put you down, but I want to be supportive. Yeah. I was trying to, but be I don't want to my response. Yes. Oh, right. Wow. Jeez. Jeez. So that's, is that what, ha- what you guys do most of the time? You're just trying to be supportive and st- <laughs> like, I can't be fully negative. I guess I'll just be, I just won't, I'll be somewhat supportive. <laughs> All right. That's okay. I expect a t-shirt out that says third and coals <laughs> and watch it just fly off the shelves. Just unbelievably. Um, <laughs> where are we? Wall of Famers. Mike had Cole Beasley. John had uh, Tyler Bass. I'm going with Dane Jackson, the seventh round cornerback, uh, rookie, rookie cornerback, uh, came into a spot where, uh, like I mentioned before, Josh Norman and Levi Wallace were both injured. We were we were desperate. We were so desperate at cornerback. Cam Lewis was out. Um, I mean, you're talking. We just we just needed bodies. We needed warm bodies. So you're just hoping during the game that the the Jets don't somehow expose us. And I'd argue that he had one of the better games of any cornerback. I mean, even over Tre'Davious White, um, he had two pass breakups. He had that interception today. Um, I know it's against a very bad Jets offense, but you can't help but be excited for what he could possibly bring in the future. I mean, you see plays like that. You see players that show flashes in games like that. And this reminds me of something I saw a long time ago. So you kind of try to keep tabs of guys like this in the preseason. The preseason, it's really the time to like see these lower round picks and see if they have anything, you know, to to show, you know, when, when they get their chance on the field. This reminds me of Jabari Greer back in the day. Now, Jabari Greer was a corner that was undrafted, um, I believe out of Tennessee, and uh, I remember seeing him in the preseason and being like, wow, he's making plays. He seems to always be around the ball. Like, there are just some players that are like that. I think Jaquan Johnson is a little bit like that, too. I mean, he won't get a chance unless, you know, Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde go down, but I, you know, I digress. Uh, Dane Jackson, I think he might have it, and I'm very excited for what he has to bring. It just reminded me of Jabari Greer. After Antoine Winfield left, Jabari Greer was a starting corner, and he was really good, and the Bills probably would have signed him if they had any cap space whatsoever <laughs> to sign Jabari Greer, and he ended up being a really good cornerback in this league. So um, so am I saying Dane Jackson is Jabari Greer? Basically, I expect him to have the same exact trajectory. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding, but um, I was he's my wall of famer. I thought he had an amazing game, and he stepped up uh, when the Bills needed him. Okay, let's go into our wall of shame segment. Shame. 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 Brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. So, Mike, who do you have on your wall of shame in today's victory for the Buffalo Bills? To me, Nate Tremaine Edmonds, I just feel he had two interceptions right in his hands. The first one was a little bit harder of a catch. The second one was right there, and they could have been game-changing plays, and it just felt like so exciting and such an opportunity to completely flip the script on the Jets, and it just didn't happen. And I think when the Bills start facing uh, better teams, it really could come back to hurt us. John, who do you have on your wall of shame? Yeah, I have to agree with Mike on this one. Um, I had Edmonds. Uh, clearly, the two dropped picks. Um, just like Mike said, you know, the first one was maybe a little bit harder, but obviously the second one he should have had for sure. Um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, it seems like he's in the right position, but sometimes I feel like it's almost by accident. I, I don't know if that seems weird or not. Um 
But yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Edmonds as well. Yeah, Edmonds has been having a rough season. I've been looking at some clips that people have been sharing over Twitter, and yeah, it's like he's not sticking with his gap, or sometimes he's guessing, and he's just having a very inconsistent 2020, which is not ideal for your third third year middle linebacker, especially a middle linebacker that showed a lot of promise uh, last season and seems to be regressing for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Plus, he's supposed to be calling all the plays on the defense and being and being that leader, replacing Cal Williams and Lorenzo Alexander. And you know, it's 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 a little disconcerting. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder if part of it has to do with the defensive line. Maybe the defensive line isn't freeing him up like they normally do. And uh, I don't know. I, I know he's injured. Um, he's just not having a good season. He's just not. Um, whether this is indicative of it should be interesting. If this continues, I, I wonder if they'll give him the fifth-year option. I mean, we can pretty much guarantee that Josh Allen will get it. I wonder if uh, Tremaine Edmonds would get that as well. Uh, my DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago wall of shame player of the game, it goes to... Uh, it doesn't go to anyone. It goes to a thing. It goes to the Bills' penalties today. The Bills had 11 penalties for 106 yards today. And like John mentioned earlier, these these were penalties that took them... Out of field position, I remember the Bills were third and goal, like first and goal at the at the Jets nine yard line. And then all of a sudden they're talking, you know, third and goal at the at the Jets twenty five yard line. I mean, they they were the min, most inopportune uh, penalties. They they seemed to lack discipline at some time, at some points, and it, they were just inopportune times to get them and uh, really made. I mean, we talked about the Bills barely winning. It felt like you know, felt eighteen to ten, yet they did so well on offense. And they just couldn't punch it through. And I think a large part of that had to do with the penalties. You know, we talk about fluky plays. You know, you got to add penalties in there, too. And and the Bills' offense, you know, just and and defense, you know, just not coming across very, very disciplined. There was that one Gabriel Davis, that that illegal formation play cost us a touchdown. The Gabriel Davis was wide open in the end zone. Josh Allen throws it to him, catches catches it, you know, clearly. And and, uh, yeah, should we have given Tyler Croft? That play of the game, the sweet sassy Molassi play of the game, because <laughs> uh, there was that one play. Did we talk about that? Yeah, I don't think we did. Uh, where Josh Allen hits him wide open. The Jets defense comp- apparently forgot that Tyler Croft was on the field and nobody covered him. He catches the ball along the sidelines and then it does his best Daniel Jones impression and, and stumbles and falls at like the 20 yard line with, you know, literally all he has to do is just keep his feet and he scores a touchdown. Um, that was that was pretty rough to watch. Luckily it didn't matter, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting play. Were you guys worried that that might've come back to bite, to bite us? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was obviously the first thing he did in my head was Daniel Jones and, you know, right after the Daniel Jones play, if you remember the, the Kevin Malone memes with the office and the chili, <laughs> yeah. like all that came flooding through my mind right away. And I don't know, it, was, it was kind of funny, but I'm glad that, that didn't come to bite us in the end. I think they certainly look similar, but fundamentally a little bit different, right? Daniel Jones just kind of tripped over himself or Taylor Crowd, Like, I don't think he ever really, really, he really extended to make that catch and then never was able to fully get his balance or get his feet under him. It was just, I thought impressive that he kept his feet as long as he did for 10 yards. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. My wife said that during the game. She's like, I was like, oh, I can't believe he almost fell. And she's like, you couldn't have made that play. I'm like, no, I, I'm also not in the NFL. 
Sometimes it's funny watching. It's like, yes, I can still criticize them even though I can't do what they can do. If that was the case, absolutely nobody except former players could ever criticize, you know, players of the game. So, Real quick, when you say your wall of shame was a thing, that made me think of uh, an old joke. You know why linens and things are not a business? Because they were selling plenty of linens, but not enough things. <laughs> <laughs> And as long as we're able to list things, um, I like the the COVID thing still irritates me a little bit, right? It's getting closer and closer to home. It's in the Buffalo Bills tight end room. Fortunately, we don't rely a lot on our tight ends, I guess. <clears throat> but I'm every week waiting for the NFL to tell these guys, hey, after the final whistle, get to your locker room, right? It's there's I think there's a false sense of security, but it's not like the NBA where you're in a bubble, like you just go home, you go live your life. And every week you see after every game, guys hugging and kissing each other. It's ridiculous to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's still frustrated about that. I'm frustrated about that. Um, COVID cases in general in the country are going up and it's just, yeah, this is not the time to, uh, yeah. It's frustrating. And I don't know why the NFL hasn't come down on that. It's so, it's such a small part, but it, it leads to, in my opinion, the most exposure. Well, it's imminently preventable, and it's just, of course, we always say this, right? Like, you never want to see anybody sick. or Like, these guys probably wouldn't have huge ill effects because they're, right, so athletic and in such good shape. But you just, if we're only looking at the football perspective, right, that's excluding everything else, like, it would be very unfortunate for the Bills to finally turn the corner as a franchise and right we're like we're so excited about their success so excited about the record we're we're crushing the pats in the division and then it's like oh well this i mean heaven forbid the season gets shut down or the bills forfeit games or allen's out for weeks you know it's just a lot that could happen yeah well if the bills end up having an outbreak like the titans did i expect the nfl to completely change their entire schedule around the bills like they did the titans completely cater to the team that wasn't responsible enough and that, you know, practiced together when they weren't supposed to. And did you see that? They're only going to be fined, I think, $350,000 by the league and no draft picks, it doesn't appear. Like, what a joke. Like, you're you're affecting, like, six or seven other teams' schedules by being irresponsible. And anyway, don't get me started, Mike. Mike, do you have any more in your comedic bit? Because I was really liking the linens and things joke. What's the deal with linens and things? Do you have anything else? That's it for this week. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to do our... Uh, we need to end end each, uh, each Mike comedic segment with the... Uh... All right. Um, let's go. After every game on Twitter, I ask you for your... Wall of Famer and Wall of Shamer for today's game. So Dave Thorpe writes, Wall of Fame, Beasley and Bass for me. Beasley has been our best player the past three weeks. Bass sets a Bills record and got all the points. Roberts gets a mention for the return game. He did have a 58-yard return, so good call on Dave by that one. Wall of Shame, the red zone offense and the entire first half performance. On the bright side, it's only the Pats next week. I don't know if he means that facetiously or if he means that it's only the Pats because the Pats did get destroyed today. 
Okay, I'm going to start from the bottom. I usually start from the top down. I'm going to go from the bottom up. Mike Taylor, Mike Taylor, the winner of the Harrison Phillips signed uh, mini football helmet last week. He writes, Wall of Fame defense for finally showing up. They got stops when it counted and even came through with some sacks. Wall of Shame, Josh Allen. I know his numbers were good and he was converting on third down, but he couldn't find the end zone. It feels like the magic is gone. And he just wants me to drop that sound bite from Top Gun. Jake Which sound bite is that? <laughs> that song, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, right? I guess it's just a song. It's not really a sound sound drop from Top Gun. It's literally the, it's a the song. Three minute and fifty seconds <laughs> sound the, drop. It's a, it's a an award winning Righteous Brothers song. <laughs> um, Jake in Buffalo writes Wall of Shame. This organization refusing to get Jake Fromm in some snaps to evaluate our talent. <laughs> oh my God! I hope you are joking, Jake. Um, if if so, that's the funniest tweet. If not, it's the saddest tweet. Frederick Shock writes, Wall of Fame, Jerry Hughes, Wall of Shame. I know Bass accounted for all of our points, but I hope he turns the corner. I have very little confidence in him in him at this point. I hope you have at least 75% confidence in him, Frederick, because that's what he was today. So this is interesting. That's interesting, though. But on any given kick, it's a binary solution set. He either makes it or he doesn't. So con- his, I agree with, with the the... The tweet, Twitter, the, the tweet, tweet, tw- the tweet, but who sends the tweet, the, the, the tw- tweeter, the tweeter. <laughs> I agree with that tweeter, the Twitterer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It could have been a lot worse. I'm, I'm taking this. You guys are taking the positive side of the win. I'm taking the positive side of Tyler Bass. He is a rookie for God's sake. I mean, this is a, it's not like this guy came into the league, you know, I, I don't know. I th- I think yeah, but what's different time. about the NFL? Like you 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 trot out, you make a kick. Like haven't you been kicking since you're, I don't even know, ten years old? Like everything, the dimensions of the field aren't any different. The field goal post isn't any different. Like it's all exactly the same. Actually, college football is a wider field. So, all right, so there goes that and, argument. And Huska, like everybody's calling for Hoska. He missed an extra point this year. So like. What's That's the difference? Point. He beat he beat Hoska out in the in camp, right? So if they find somebody better, they'll get somebody better. But for now, it's Bass. For now, yep. All the tweeter said was he didn't have confidence, like, and which is understandable if you're missing at a twenty five percent clip for this game. The, like, if the game is on the line and it's a forty five yard field goal, you're like, man, I hope he makes it. Not, well, I'm going to the bathroom now. It's over. The game was online. All his points mattered because he did not. Not all the points mattered for the Bills. If he missed all his field goals, then they would have lost. That that's accurate. (laughs) Trying to find the dimensions of a football field. Here's your next poll. How confident are you? Confident? You guys are arguing over that tweet. You can grab that tweet and put that up as a poll. Are you confident in in Bass to make a 45 yard field goal with the game on the line or whatever you you pick? Yeah, uh, 50-50. That's my count. <laughs> so this is interesting because B Mormon 2020 and J Fedkiw, Fed K I W both wrote Wall of Fame Bass, Wall of Shame Bass. So hey, they kind of I I love that analogy, Mike, of uh people getting the Wall of Famer and Wall of Shamer. Employee of the month gets walked out the same day. That's Tyler Bass today, apparently. 
That that's fair. I I think I put Josh Allen on the fame and shame in, on the same week before. Yeah, that was just as ridiculous. Um, AJ Tharp writes Wall of Fame, Cole Beasley for his consistency, Tyler Bass for all of our points today, and Lexi Croft for allowing her husband to play. Nice. Wall of Shame, CBS announcers and our offensive efficiency. We expect to win when our kicker sets a franchise record for kicking attempts. Absolutely. Ties a franchise record, but yes. No, he he broke the franchise record for kicking attempts. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. That's a, AJ, AJ was right, John. <laughs> um, I know. Sorry, I, I screwed that one up. It was it was made field goals, right? That's what he that's what he tied a franchise record for with Steve Christie. Anyway, I already said that stat earlier. Todd writes the Wall of Fame, the second half version of Jerry Hughes and Cole Beasley. Wow, what a game. Wall of Shame, the red zone offense. What the hell? They didn't have a drive where they didn't make it down there and no touchdowns. Also penalties. So I guess that's on McDermott. Phil Zone Ready writes, Wall of Fame Jerry Hughes, regardless of how the D has been, 55 had been a res- or has had a resurgence this season and dominated today. Wall of Shame, my confidence that this team is a legit Super Bowl contender. Thanks, process. You made me shit my pants today. <laughs> hey, so you guys talked about, you know, it's a win is a win. Do you guys feel confident in this team in in making a playoff run or a winning a playoff game for the first time in 25 years? We've touched on it. Sweeping a divisional opponent is huge, especially coupled with the fact when our biggest rival for the past couple decades lost, right, in the Pats. But I think we have to keep in mind, like as excited as I am as the, at the prospect, the Bills' schedule is going to be brutal coming up. You've got the Pats, then the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Niners, the Steelers, Broncos, Patriots, and Dolphins. Like a lot of the teams that I would fear as the Bills, the Patriots have gotten out of the way. So they still get to play the Jets twice, right? So it's not simply a matter of comparing the records as a snapshot in time. Oh, wow. That makes me a lot less confident when you just rattled off all the the future opponents like that, especially with how well they're all doing. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Yeah, it's like a murderer's row, right? Like, so we we do need to win those games that the Bills have won, such as the sweeping the Jets. Like, you've got to take care of business against those teams. So, like, love watching them week to week. Very encouraged, but they do have their work cut off for them going forward, no doubt. Yeah, you can't discount the teams that they've already played, though. I mean, the Rams, the Raiders, even the Dolphins. I mean, those are tough games. Uh, you know, they won those games. I, I have no doubt the Bills are going to go 14-2. and two. They're going to run, run the table. They're going to win the division, go to the Super Bowl, go Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. John, we're not signing off right now. We're just we're doing more Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers. We're not drinking, John. <laughs> the JNC Bills fans writes, Wall of Fame, Tyler Bass for attempting the most field goals ever by a Bills kicker. Wall of shame, everyone else on the team for allowing Tyler Bass to have the most field goal attempts by a Bills kicker and Tyler Bass for missing two of them. Bills loser QB club writes, basically, we were quite lucky. Wall of fame, Frazier's corrective actions for D at halftime, the front four on D and Milano getting pressure on Darnold. Wall of shame, obviously Bass missing. He's an honorable mention to Wall of Fame since he since his kicks also gave us non-style points to win the game a lot of split split thoughts and feelings on tyler bass edgar donnybrook writes 
Wall of Fame, Dane Jackson, Jerry Hughes, the entire D, really. Tyler Bass, Lexi Croft. Wall of Shame, the people putting Tyler Bass on the Wall of Shame. Yeah, I was pissed after that first miss, too. The offense for putting Bass in that position. Nice. Edgar, going after the Wall of Shame tweeters for Tyler Bass. Nice. Emmett21 writes, Wall of Fame defensive coaches, the second half adjustments. First game where we looked better in the second half than the first. Very good point, Emmett. Jerry Hughes, he had himself a day. Wall of Shame, Emmett writes, Edmonds again, had a chance at two picks, one easy, one hard, dropped both, missed a ton of tackles, and took bad angles. Philip Whitaker writes, Wall of Fame, second half D, and Bass for the ones he made, and Cole Beasley. Wall of Shame, Brian Dable, and Bass for being so inconsistent. Wall of Fame Part 2, Lexi Croft for going into a labor for going into labor and allowing us to have Tyler Croft for today. <laughs> Good call. Philip Whitaker on that. Christopher Wallagret writes, Wall of Fame, Bill's pressure on Sam Darnold. Wall of Shame, penalties, 11 for 106. Notable Wall of Fame is Beasley, but are we really surprised by his performance? Notable Wall of Shame, not being able to capitalize in the red zone, but glad Bass got some practice. Yeah, the practice really can't be understated for a young kicker like that in 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 a in a season where he didn't get a preseason, he didn't get a chance to 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 get some, you know to get some professional kicks underneath his uh, underneath his belt. Josh Rinkin writes, "Wall of Fame definitely has to be Jerry Hughes." Uh, he writes Jerry exclamation point Hughes. He managed to generate some pressure for for once. Wall of shame, Brian Dable. I think everyone forgot that our offensive coordinator is Brian Dable and how terrible his play calling can be as seen today. Can't win a game kicking field goals. Yeah, some of that blame definitely goes on Brian Dable. Miss T writes, Wall of Fame, Dane Jackson, Cole Beasley, Tyler Bass, and Jerry Hughes. Wall of shame, penalties galore. Where is the discipline lately? Also, Tremaine Edmonds, Dable, and the offense got no touchdown against the Jets, she writes. Um, And I think I'll read one more. Eric Helwig writes, Wall of Fame, Bass did enough, needs consistency. Allen got the ball out quicker in the second half, for sure. Uh, Leslie Frazier giving his team some help in the second half. Wall of Shame, Tyler Bass, two misses in the first half. Josh Allen holding the ball and forcing throws in the first half. And Leslie Frazier made Gore look like an all pro. <laughs> I love, we were just talking about giving someone the wall of famer and wall of shamer in one tweet or one podcast. He gave three people the wall of fame and then three people, the same exact three people, the wall of shame. So I hope you don't manage anyone at your job or own a business of any sort, Eric. <laughs> um, that does it for our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers segment brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. So thank you guys all for tweeting in. Um, our tweet of the day brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago comes from Lexi Croft when she mentioned that uh, Tyler Croft was spared from the outbreak this past weekend. Um, she wrote, just doing my part. So thank you, Lexi, for having a baby right beforehand. And Tyler Croft, again, having another impactful game. It, he is by far the most important tight end we have on the roster right now, even minus Dawson Knox, which a lot of people are making the joke that the only thing that Dawson Knox could catch this season is COVID-19 because um, he hasn't been catching a lot, and he somehow found a way to get sick. Um, I wish I could take credit for that joke, but that joke was said all over social media, so hopefully you laughed at it. Um, Mike, 
let's go into uh, next week's game. Let's take a look at the opponent and who they're playing and uh, the Vegas odds, if they have any. Yeah, Nate, this segment brought to you by Del Lago Resort and Casino. The Bills next week play the Pats. The game is in Buffalo. The Patriots lost to the 49ers 33-6. to Yeah, brutal, right? Great for us. I'll ask you guys. Nobody looked at the line, right? Nope. Never do. John, did you already check? Negative. All right. What do you guys got? Who did we go with first last time? I think I went first last time. John? You have the Pats in Buffalo. The Pats are two and four. The Bills are five and two. Bills have a two and a half game lead on the Patriots. This is tough. I think the Bills are going to be favored for sure. They're at home. Which has always historically been worth three points, right? What? Is it worth that much now with no fans in attendance? Yeah, I don't even know if you can like factor that in anymore, right? I mean, maybe a little, like if the team was to travel a long distance, but I mean, New England to here isn't very far. They're still staying in a hotel, though. They're still away from their families. They don't get to do their normal routine in the normal spaces. They have to do in a, a visitor's locker room, stay in a hotel. I mean, it is going to be different. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk this out out loud. The Bills have the better record than the Patriots. If you're going by recency bias. Uh, the Patriots lost this week, 33-6 to the 49ers, like you said. Did they lose last? They lost last week to the Broncos. I think it was like 18-12. to 12. And even though the Bills lost two games to two very good teams, um, the Patriots lost two games to, I wouldn't say the Broncos are good. I think they're okay. So, and the 49ers are pretty good. So I would say that the Bills are going to be favored just based on that. And the Bills, Vegas made their mistake by favoring the Bills by 12 and a half last week. They won't do that again this week. I think they're going to do uh, three-point three point favorites. I'm going to say, I, I think I think the, the Patriots roster overall is not nearly as good as not only the Bills, but even the Dolphins. Cam Newton got benched today after throwing for only 98 yards and three picks. <laughs> and who knows... The, who knows Cam Newton better than Sean McDermott? Yeah, I'm I don't go. know. It, there's there's benched and then there's benched. If you're down by twenty with five minutes to go, I I don't know the specifics in front of me, but there's something to be said for protecting your guy too. I I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the Bills by a little bit more. I'll do three and a half. And I'm hitting refresh on the DraftKings sportsbook at Del Lago, and we've got the game. Bills are laying four. Bills favored by four. Nice, John. You were supposed to go first, but you're taking so damn long that I had to go. So that's on me. That's my uh... my, my strategy worked perfectly. <laughs> you definitely win the game of patience against me. So, oh yeah, we we're going to do two quick giveaways. So for for those of you that don't know, we do giveaways every week in the podcast. Um, we we're going to do two giveaways this week. Um, if you want to be eligible for a giveaway. Um, all you have to do is leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and just mention CTW or CTW Pod or Circling the Wagons anywhere in the description, along with any of the other fine podcasts within our network. Um, they all do a great job. Um, I'm going to read one. I never usually read these, um, but really appreciate you guys writing them in. So this one, this latest one was from the Salt Lake City Bills backers, um, and they write, you guys should follow them on Instagram. They follow us on Instagram, too. Um, they're a good follow. They wrote, absolutely love Circle of the Wagons. Great perspectives from all. I just can't miss a podcast from these guys. 
So um, I'll give another one. Casey Bills 17 wrote, um, CTW Pod, this podcast is great and gives a great recap. Always enjoy, enjoy the Hall of Famers and Wall of Shamers to give fun insight for the previous game. So thank you guys for writing all those. We read them all. I send them to the guys so they have a chance to see them. So thank you for doing that. So we're going to give away a signed mini Harrison Phillips Bills helmet. And we are going to give away a signed Harrison Phillips jersey. So um, the first one to get back to me quicker gets gets their choice. You can either DM me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You should be following us all on uh, on all social media. If you can, we're at CTWPod, as in Circling the Wagons Pod, or email us, ctwpod at gmail.com. So the first winner is Talmage18. That's Talmage18. And then the second winner is M Debrine1. So M D E B R I N E1. M Debrine. Debrine? Debrine1. And those are the two winners. So we will talk to you guys next week after the Bills play the New England Patriots in Buffalo. So we're going to sign off. Signing off for John. Hey, how about those Buffalo Bills? Let's go. Patriots next Sunday. Take full control of the division. For Mike? Still undefeated on Sundays. Go Bills. Damn, you stole mine. And for me, Nate, screw the Patriots. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>